Hi everybody, it is Dan and Chris back for another episode of A Father's Love, Healing Through Heartache. And we want to thank everybody who's tuning in to listen to us as we share our stories about our sons, Jameson and Mason, who we miss so much. And um, just welcome back, Chris. Welcome back, my friend. Dan, thanks, buddy. Excited to be here as usual. I love talking with you and spending time with you. And I uh, hope today brings some more perspectives to people. Um, you know, today's episode, we're really going to talk about helping uh, those people that aren't dealing with the grief, how they can, you know, talk about the right things and navigate that can be difficult field of time uh, right after a loss for your loved one. So I'm excited for it today. Absolutely. And Chris and I are, uh, we're, we're kind of getting toward the end of season one. We're going to do a few more episodes before the summer break. And we wanted to take advantage of this time to answer directly some of the questions that you all have sent in to us. Um, we, most of these things are, are topics or questions that we've, we've discussed in various episodes, hit and miss. But we want to we wanna dedicate an episode to just hit them straight on so that hopefully it's a crystal clear answer for you. And uh, again, if you have other questions, if this sparks any other thoughts, please send them along. So the first and one of the most important things that are most important, most common statements that we hear is I don't know what to say. And so one of the questions from a friend was, should I say something if I feel like I have something to say? So Chris, I'll let you take that first. Yeah, thanks, Dan. Uh, for me, I'm okay with it. You know, I'm an open book about how Mason passed and the process and the sadness and the grief. And I have no problems with people coming up and just saying how they feel about it and you're not going to make the situation any worse, to be honest. I'm already sad. So if I can help you out in some way and explain to you what we went through and how it happened and really bring clarity to other people as well, I'm okay with that. It doesn't doesn't bother me one bit. There are, of course, certain... Uh, no, you know what? I, I really, I feel like as I sit here, I'm trying to think of, are there any certain ways that, you know, nothing should be brought up? But to be honest, for me personally, I am okay with you bringing it up. In fact, I'd rather you bring it up instead of being weird around me and beating around the bush. You, you're just making it awkward for everyone. And uh, just bring it up. How about you, Dan? I agree. Um, we've talked a lot about triggers through this season and... Again, there's absolutely no way that anybody can know what's going to trigger an emotion for us. Um, I shared with my friends on Facebook a week ago that our our school's doing EOG testing, and Jameson's class is fifth grade this year, and they're getting ready for all the elementary school graduation stuff. And it was EOG Science Day, and I was talking to his classmates. And I, I had a breakdown over EOG test of all the ridiculously stupid things that triggered an emotional response. It's testing, end of grade testing. Um, never would have thought that. I knew, I know this Thursday is going to be hard because we're doing the graduation parade. And that's going to be hard not seeing my son, not being dry, yeah, part of that parade and watching all his friends go. But and a grade testing triggered something. So I think in talking to us, I would, I, for me personally, like Chris, I would err on the side of saying something. Um, it, I think the pain of feeling alone on an island and being ignored is much work, much more intense and lasts longer than any pain or anger if you happen to say the wrong thing at a moment. Um, it, it might trigger something, but we'll get through it in a few minutes or an hour or something. If it's something that makes us angry, 
we'll get over it probably this sounds bad but probably as soon as we're not talking to you anymore at that moment and we can't see you anymore at that moment we'll we'll probably get over it quickly and then be able to talk to you later but err on the side of saying things because it being alone on that island is that for me is the worst feeling I have when it comes to other people obviously uh, the worst feeling I have is my own stuff with losing Jameson but when it comes to interacting with other people that island is a, a terrible place yeah it is and you know typically though if we're talking or if, I've, if I'm talking to this person and they understand what, what we went through and they're just asking questions about it you know you're my friend you're you're a person i know and um i'm okay with you knowing the whole story because there's nothing top secret about it by any means you know it, and if it some way helps you understand you know like we've talked about in other episodes what adam is or um you know just how awesome of a person mason was or jameson was you know uh, like dan has brought up plenty of times we like talking about our kids whether it's our kids that are still around or our kids that are past, it's important to us to keep their memory alive and talking about them. You know, it's okay to bring up their name. It doesn't, it doesn't, nothing's bringing them back. Dan and I are very realistic and we understand that, but keeping their memory alive is something that is important to us. So that, that it actually helps uh, by talking about our children. Absolutely. I think um, if, if you look at our circle of friends, like if you're our family and you're our really close friends, you have, at least for me, my family and my close friends who I've done life with for years, you have a lot of leeway to say things and ask things. If you ask something and I don't want to answer, I'm going to tell you I don't want to answer it. But you're not... The chances of you upsetting me or angering me are a lot less if you're really in that inner circle. And and if people are honest, they know who they are. If we're Facebook friends, probably not necessarily an inner circle person per se. If I've never met you face to face or uh, haven't gone out with you for dinner or been to your house or whatever for many, many years maybe there's a little bit more worry or a little more care needed there of more on the side of asking questions but saying things again it's it's hard it's a lot harder to go wrong when you're just making statements i think if we go back to rachel's episode a few weeks ago some of the best things you can say again for me for rachel she shared it i think chris agreed are you're right this sucks and i'm thinking of you i don't know that you can ever go wrong saying hey i don't know what words to say but i want you to know i'm thinking about you i want you to know i care about you you've just taken us you haven't taken us off that island but you've joined us on that island and that's gonna last for a period of time and that will help um Again, just the the Christian cliches, those don't work well. Um, unsolicited advice generally probably doesn't work well, I would think. Um, but just saying, I care about you, makes a difference. I don't know, Chris, maybe we're, we're not too far from your one year. Um, is there anything that through all i imagine you got a lot of texts and a lot of facebook messages and some phone calls is there anything that people said that really affected you positively that helped make a miserable time a little bit less miserable um you know i think all the texts and the messages just saying hey we're thinking of you was plenty for me it, it made me know like you said i wasn't alone on the island amanda and i weren't alone um, we i felt the love coming from everyone and i didn't have any 
snarky comments or you know like oh you're not over it i know we're gonna get into that a little bit with you dan i i i have great support from all my family amanda's family all my military friends all my firefighting friends i mean i am i'm in a unique position in where my job is a family job like it is not a job where you know i go to work and i come home we firefighters are family that's just how we are that's our culture that's our lifestyle you know when you spend 48 hours at the fire station and then you go home to your family 48 hours you're with your your co-workers as much as you're with your family so these guys know me very closely we spent many hours together had many laughs together had many difficulties together that we worked through and uh so i am lucky in that sense i feel like i have tons of support tons of love tons of friends and family helping uh and everybody was really supportive this past week with uh you know getting past that first anniversary i'm anxious and nervous for the second year i've heard from numerous grieving parents that the second year can actually be a lot more difficult than the first year as the shock starts to wear off more and more um i know we talked about that a little bit dan and um so no I'm, I'm a little anxious for that, and I hope I keep getting that support so I don't feel like I'm ever alone on the island. And But this week overall, everyone was great, helped us out a lot. You know, being home in New York to visit his grave was great in the sense that we had distractions again, okay? This first year of moving to Delaware so that we could travel up to New York whenever we needed to worked out perfect. And that's why I'm worried about the second and third year as we won't have those distractions now um, as we're moving. We probably won't be close to New York where we could come home on all the major holidays, just drive up there. Uh, so I'm a little nervous, um, but I, I feel like I have a great support group and we're going to get through it overall. I know I've I tried all last week to help just make sure Chris knew he wasn't alone on an island. Um but again, I'm walking through this pretty darn closely with Chris. I mean, we have a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old. So we've we've talked before. There is no book to grief. There is no pathway to grieving. Uh, there's people who say you're going to go through these steps. And great, that's a great rough island or a rough outline to help us kind of know what's coming. But it's not a straight path to get there. And as close as I am to Chris walking through this journey, um, I don't know what to say to him. So again, we, we get that people who aren't grieving have trouble finding things to say, the right words to say or to ask. We get that. We struggle with it too, um, with each other. And it's you're not going to find two people that are much closer on the journey than we are because losing a newborn is way different than losing a toddler losing a boy losing a an older son all that um and i just every i i wrote to chris every day over the last week because i knew he was i knew what he was going through as as well as anybody probably could know and I still had no clue what he was going through. I had no clue what to say. And every time I'm writing, it's like, I want him to know he's not alone, but I also don't want to bug him because he may not want to hear from anybody right now. And I chose to err on the side of writing because I know, again, the chances of hurting him, I think were a lot, a lot greater if I ignored him than if I bugged him. So Chris, any uh, yeah, perfect Dan. I mean, you you like you said, you helped me out every day. I appreciated it so much. And all you had to, all you did was said, I'm "Here for you. Let me know whatever you need." And that's literally all I actually needed was like, okay, if I'm having a bad moment, I can reach out to Dan. I know he knows what I'm going through. Um, but that doesn't mean if you haven't dealt with grief at all that you couldn't send the same exact message. Hey, I'm here for you. Uh, just telling people, I will literally sit with you. We don't have to say a word. I'm just sitting next to you. I'm here 
for whatever you need can make such a huge difference to a person going through grief. So I think that's a good way to uh, definitely help people out. So with that, Dan, what's the, uh, or unless you have anything else to add, what's another? Yeah, I want to with? remind people, I shared this earlier in the season too, of being a teacher, kids are kids are absolutely amazing. Um, and based on what Chris just said, I can't tell you how many times my class last year where I was reading the novel to them or doing whatever the activity was and I had a breakdown because it talked about death or it talked about a son playing baseball with his father or whatever it was and I started crying and every single time the kids were quiet they didn't say anything but I had an arm on my back an arm around my shoulder a hug something that again it just said you're not alone we hear you we feel you we know this is rough and you're not alone and that's amazing i even though it was fam a family picture i love chris sent me a picture last week and one of them had i think it was ryan laying chris was sitting down on the ground clearly upset obviously understandably so and think it was Ryan that was laying on top of Chris, just hunched over like kids do on his dad's back just hugging him and as hard a moment as I imagine that was there there was that love and beauty part of they weren't alone and I I don't think any words were being spoken yeah no that's exactly right we were visiting Mason's grave and uh for me personally, every time I go to his grave, I like to lay on the grass right next to him. It's something that is makes me just kind of feel the connection with Mason for some reason. I don't know. It, it makes me feel closer to him. So, and as I was laying there, both uh, there was I can't remember which picture I sent, but one was Ryan right next to me just had his arms around me and one was Ryan with his arms around me and then Carson literally on my back as we were there. So you're right. It was, uh, is an important moment. And uh, it just, it, I, I know I'm not alone because I know, you know, Amanda and the boys, they miss Mason just as much as I do. And, um, just hard times, but we're going to get through it together as a team. Yeah. And I think we're, we're not, we, we, we realize that we're not the only ones hurting. We realize that our family and our friends miss Mason and miss Jameson very much. Um, again, it's okay to tell us, I miss Jameson. I miss Mason. Um, I did this today and it made me think of them. That for again for me that helps memories help and to know that people aren't forgetting our boys helps even even though it's a painful story it, it's it's super comforting at that moment to just know that yeah other people care so just keep yeah keep sharing keep sharing your memories keep if you if you have a rough day because of losing our boys, you can ask us for help, like or for, not for help, but necessarily, but for support. Of just saying, hey, I was thinking of Mason today doing this. I don't, I don't know what to do from there on. And maybe, maybe there's some words of wisdom or encouragement we can give you, and that would, that would, that would be a nice thing for us. Because again, yeah, and I think it's important too that. Um, you know, if if you're listening to this podcast and you don't know Mason or Jameson personally or Dan or myself personally and you're listening to try to get some knowledge on how to help your loved ones that are dealing with grief that's a super important point that Dan is bringing up bringing up those memories of that you have with the person who has passed to the ones grieving I haven't talked to a person going through the grief process yet that doesn't like that 
Uh, I don't know if Dan has. I've talked to a lot of grieving parents. Every single one of them that I've talked to loves the memories. And so, you know, feel it out as you're talking to that person and say, hey, uh, I want to tell you this awesome story I had with your loved one, and here it is. And I, I will, I will, I would actually put money down that they'll enjoy that conversation more than you realize. Absolutely. And it, Chris talking reminded me, I'm, I'm cleaning out my classroom for the end of the school year, and I found a picture that, again, kids are amazing. And this kid, I don't even know who he is. Uh, he was not in my class. He was not in my grade. He just came to me the beginning of last school year, and he handed me a picture he had drawn. And he didn't know Jameson, had never met him, but he had it on his heart to draw me this picture. And it was the basketball court out at our recess area. And it's where our school installed a buddy bench in honor of Jameson. And, and Eric and I built a little flower planter around it. And he, he just drew that. And I still, yesterday, it just touched my heart. And it's probably the first time I didn't actually cry looking at it. But to think, again, some little boy that never met my son cared enough to draw a picture of such a special place for Jameson and give it to me. That helps. And yes, we're probably going to cry a lot of times if you share these memories because there, there's always going to be that sadness that we don't have new memories to create. But they're, I don't know the right word, Chris. They're not tears of joy, but they're tears of fondness. I don't I don't know the right word but it's it's nice to hear them and it's nice to know that people are thinking about them I agree so Dan what's another question we had from a person listening to our podcast so um, we've had people ask about um, specific statements um, one of them is is it a good idea or a bad idea to compare the loss of our child to the loss of their relative or their pet or whatever loss they had? So this is again, my personal opinion here. No, it's not. Okay. Don't do it. <laughs> Here's why every, every loss is so different. And I think it's human nature really to, you want to just say, hey, I'm relatable. You can, we've gone through this together. And I think that's just human nature. But I will tell you that, it, in my opinion, try not to bring that up if you can. Because I, I had people talk, I actually had people talk about their dog. And I had people talk about their brother or their sister that they lost or their, their spouse or their grandparent. And I can tell you, uh, now I haven't lost my spouse thank God. And I haven't lost any of my parents. Uh, I've lost some grandparents and, and obviously I've lost Mason and I've lost relatives on, you know, other fam distant family members and whatnot. Nothing compares and nothing can compare. And it's, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> you, you don't have to make it weird and awkward. You don't have to compare. There's no reason to, again, like our first question, all you got to say is I'm here for you. I, I'm sorry for your loss. That is clearly enough. Trying to compare uh, losses is is no need. For some reason, somebody bringing up uh, the loss of their their brother when they were younger, I was like, it, first off, it's your brother, and you were a little kid, so it didn't affect you like it's affecting me. I know you're just trying to help, but really, you're just kind of making me mad at this moment. Now, this was right after Mason passed. I'm talking within a day or two of him passing, and it just... Those are one of those moments I really got really angry. Um, I don't think I got angry a whole lot through the whole process of Mason being lost. Um, I haven't had the anger that other people have had when they've lost. I've had more sadness. and But that was one of those few moments where I was like, I don't care that you lost your brother. I'm sorry, but it's not the same. It's not even close. Uh, you know, losing Mason is like literally I have four compartments in my heart right one for each boy 
it's like taking out a fourth of my heart literally out of my chest for the rest of my life it's harder to breathe it's harder to move it's harder to stay just to get through life now because i'm literally missing a quarter of my heart and it's not the same so i would again my personal opinion i would try to avoid comparing losses if you can now if it's like how dan and i are going through a very similar process you can say here's my loss but don't compare them don't say my loss is like your loss and here's why just say i've lost a loved one or i've lost a son i've lost you know that's my opinion how do you feel about it dan yep i agree i um i think and i hope I hope our listeners understand through this whole thing that um, it's not that we think we're better than anybody or our loss is more important than your loss or anything like that. But yeah, I don't care that you lost your dog. That's I love my dog and I'm going to miss her terribly when she's gone. It's not the same. Grief is different. Grief is different for two dads sitting here in front of you who have both lost sons around the same age and we don't get each other there is no comparison and you losing your brother or your parent is awful but it's completely different your relationship with your brother or your parent is completely different than our relationship chris and my relationship with our sons were completely different from each other um, even God forbid if I lost Reese and I imagine if Chris lost any of his other three sons, we can't compare the two because my relationship with Reese is completely different than my relationship with Jameson. Um, there just, there is no comparison and it doesn't, it, yeah, it doesn't help at all. And it is one of those things that I think I, I, I get mad at it too. I'm, I'm with Chris on that. I saw on one of our Facebook grief groups just a couple weeks ago, somebody was asking for advice. They had lost their child, and their mother, I think it was, actually said to the child, to the poster, well, I miss your child more than you do. I'm like, oh, my God. And just, yeah, that that really got the discussion going on that but of all there are some things that are just plain ignorant to say and that ranks right up there there is no comparison and you have as a grandparent you have your own relationship with your grandchild and your pain is real we're not discounting that at all but it's not the same so we we can't necessarily help you you certainly can't help us if we're comparing what we're feeling so don't just don't do it yeah definitely again i'm gonna say it one more time foot snap do not compare losses don't even bring it up again i i i truly think it's a human nature people want to try to be relatable like hey i've been mm -hmm. through this process i've been through i understand your emotions you don't and that's okay there's we're not mad at you that you don't understand it i've never been um you know, I'm not going to try and lie and say that I wasn't, I haven't thought like, wow, they get to have their kids and I don't once or twice, but it doesn't consume me. Like, I don't think that hardly ever. And, you know, you just wanting to be relatable is not, don't bring it up. It's not, there's so many other things we could talk about. Let's not talk about that. There's no reason to compare. It just makes it worse. Absolutely. Um, this isn't a question per se, but a, a statement that I, I guess I've heard it, but I know Chris has shared a lot more about it, but let's, let's hit it directly again, Chris. I can't imagine what you're going through, or I can't imagine your loss. And I know you didn't like that statement, so. Yeah, that's, that's the one statement I really hate for some reason. It's, it hits me really hard, and I think it's because well, I have to because I'm dealing with it. So don't say you can't imagine because you know what? I didn't think this could happen to me. I really didn't. And 
I don't want to say I took my boys for granted, but I never in a million years thought that I would be one that actually lost a child to death. And uh, so never say, in my opinion, again, these are all Crystal Party's opinion here, never say I can't imagine because the person that you're saying that to is living the reality. And you're making it not not intentionally, but you're making it more difficult for them because then every time I hear that, I'm thinking, yeah, well, I can't imagine because I'm doing it right now, literally this exact second, I'm living the pain of it all. So don't say, I can't imagine. No, I don't tell these people that. This is, you know, I'm never rude to them. I know they're really just trying to be nice, but what they're really kind of doing is digging the dagger in my back a little bit more uh, with the pain and agony of it all. So, uh, Dan, are there any statements that really get you kind of wound up, kind of really mad when people say them? I think... uh... And I hate sharing this because, again, I don't want to sound judgmental or make people feel like they're doing the wrong thing. But just, again, to highlight the fact that you're in a no-win situation. And I get I get that. I wish I could make it not be. It, the one that I don't, I don't think I get mad generally, but it really gets under my skin is, it's a beautiful day. And again, you're trying to be relatable. You're just trying to make conversation. We get that. But it's like, no, I have not had a beautiful day since February 26, 2019. It's not a fantastic day, a beautiful day, a good weekend. We talked a few weeks ago about Merry Christmas, Happy Mother's Day, uh, Happy Father's Day, Happy Birthday. No, they're not. I want them to be. I want it to be a beautiful day, but it's not. So, again, it's not something I think, like Chris was just saying, it, I, I hope, I try not to be rude, and I'm, I'm certainly not going to say, no, it's not, to most, I well, to most people maybe, but I'm going to shut down and probably walk out quickly away from that interaction because I don't, I just don't want to go there. Um, it's not. It's not a beautiful day, and I get what you're saying, but I'm going to go now. And Yeah, and I think, like you said, you know, we typically, as grieving parents, are we try to not be rude back. I know I really try hard um, because I'm a realist, and I know that people have their own lives and their own priorities, and... I might be a thought in their life, but I'm not a priority. And that's okay. Legit. Totally fine. Uh, and Dan, I know you've said the same thing too. You, you, you realize people move on and people have to move on, but this is our reality that we live. And uh, that's why we want to give everyone these facts are not, not so much facts, but our opinions in the matter of how to help others. Uh, Cause you could be making it worse when you think you're making it better. So I, hopefully these question and answers are helping everyone out a little bit. Yeah, and again, this goes back to one of the main things we want to do with this podcast is be we want to be real and raw so that yeah, hopefully you, you understand a little bit better what grief is like if you haven't lived it. Or again, if you're living a different type of grief, it just we hope it helps. I um Chris talking to me just just a second ago, Chris saying what he said. I had somebody a couple weeks ago who asked me or asked Erica and I both how are you doing we're like and we again I don't think we were rude we we were honest we're like eh we're we're okay and the response was really you're not great I was like no it doesn't matter that we are what are we 27 almost 27 months five days from today we're 27 months removed from losing jameson no we're not okay it's we are never going to be the same person like chris has said many times two years does not make the pain and hurt because chris chris talked about it already year one is awful it's year one is like the shock and the the agonizingly intense pain just realizing that 
the death itself and our sons are gone year two for me yeah a lot of the distractions were removed and that's where for me year two was a lot of the the memories and the realization that i'm not i'm never going to play catch with my son again i'm never going to kick a soccer ball with my son again i can't go for a bike ride with my son again i'm never going to hear good night dad i love you again all right and that's never going away even after two years or three years or five years or ten years it's going to be there so no we're not okay um how was our weekend our weekend sucked let me say that clearly even two years out our weekend sucked because we live in the most one of the most beautiful areas in the world and we can go for beautiful hikes and we can see just mountains as far as we can see and it is beautiful and then we look down and we see one sun instead of two our weekend sucks our day sucks uh, it's not a good day it's not a good morning it's not a happy Father's Day. And I hate that that's the way I am. I, I've talked to, I'm in a group with a bunch of guys and I keep telling them, like, I feel like I, I, I don't want to go back to that group, not because of anything they've done, but because I feel like I bring them down. Because everything they say, rightfully so, they should. They're enjoying their life. They're enjoying their families. And they should. But my life is different and I don't want to be that Debbie Downer for them so I just want to remove myself from that it's funny you mentioned the Debbie Downer thing Dan uh, I actually said that comment to Amanda the other day as I brought up before in like this episode um, you know the firefighter culture is a family and when we first got here to Delaware um you know, they were having little small get-togethers because of COVID. They were small, and they were inviting me and Amanda to come with the boys. You know, I think they wanted us to be part of the, you know, felt feel like family. But we really just didn't – I wasn't up to it. I, let's be mm -hmm. honest here. I didn't care. I didn't want to go. I just didn't want to go. Uh, I, I was not mentally ready for it. And But it's kind of put me in this situation now where, you know, not – not that I don't think work has my best interests at heart. I still know everyone there cares for me. They'll help me out with whatever I need. But this is probably the first base where I don't have a lot of close connections with the guys I work with. And it's because I've distanced myself from losing Mason. Because, like you said, <clears throat> I don't want to be that Debbie Downer. <clears throat> Sorry. I know I'm sad. I know I'm sad at work. I know I have bad days. I do have some good days, but I have bad days too. And I'm going to a lot of appointments, whether it be mental health or therapy. And so I'm not, I don't have those close, close connections that I've established with at other places. So just like your men's group, the same thing for me, usually my men's group is work or, you know, cause that's where my, I develop a lot of my friends or coworkers because of the family atmosphere at work. And this is the first place I haven't really felt it at all. And uh, I'm hoping it's not a permanent thing. I'm hoping as I move to other bases that I'll get my groove back and be able to have those connections with my team again. Uh, and I'm truly thankful for my team here. I Legit, I cannot say enough about them. They've helped me with so much. Um, and it's not them, it's me. And so understand that for everyone that's listening that you know, if you're trying to help someone, you're probably doing everything you really can, the best you can. And it's just the person going through their grief and their sadness and their, their moment. And like we've said before, just don't leave them alone on the island. Just let them know that you're there. Those are the things that are going to help them out the most. I think it's perfect that Chris just pulled out the it's not you, it's me card. Um, we, <laughs> we use that in a completely different context in the world, but it is so true that for everything we're addressing, it's not you, it's us. We're, we're in a different world. Um, I think Chris highlighted a good point that going out with friends, even our best friends, it's hard because it's just, it's, it's like a, a pregame routine that we need to go through to get ourselves mentally ready 
to try to go out and maybe have a good time. Um, physically, I'm still exhausted physically. So it's just everything about it, no matter how close you are and how much I love you and how deep our history is, it's hard. Um, I think Chris brings up a good point with his new fire family. Um, I have a really hard time meeting new people now. My my heart and my I just I don't have those compartments anymore for new relationships and it doesn't matter what an amazing person you are I don't have the energy to develop those relationships so so again if you're a new person in my life I'm sorry if I just if I seem antisocial or again rude I know I seem rude a lot of times it's not that I'm trying to be I'm just something's getting at me all day every day and I it's, it takes a lot of energy that we already are very limited on just to get through those interactions well Dan I'm always praying that both you and I and all the other grieving families are we're gonna get through those moments together and you know, us talking and getting those feelings out, that's the first step in us hopefully getting back to, um, you know, like I said, the new people that we are because we are different people than what we were. Yeah. So I think um, those are kind of the main questions we wanted to address or statements that we wanted to address. Uh, we hope, Hopefully we did it very clearly. Um, I think just to summarize, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong again, err on the side of saying something versus not. It hurts worse generally to feel like we're ignored, especially around the big days. Um, if, if you're able to think before you speak, please do. Uh, and we, we know that that's super impossible a lot of times, but if you're able to, again, instead of Hey, good morning. How are you? Uh, it's good to see you. I'm glad you're here. Things like that. I think if it was Rachel that talked a lot about things like that, those are generally a lot safer and a lot more helpful. Um, comparing is almost always bad. Um, I can't imagine that one. That one doesn't affect me. I haven't heard it that much, but I think it's a good a good um, reminder too that everybody's different even as tightly as Chris and I are wound together things affect us differently and we're we're living it together so Chris what any final summary thoughts or yeah I, I think you hit everything like you said uh, I can't imagine that is more of a personal thing for me but I think it's important that people realize that if you know the person that's dealing with the grief you know, kind of feel them out and say, you can, again, the honesty key is the best. You can just straight up say, is there anything you don't want me to say? Yeah. I think that worked perfect because I would rather someone say, is there anything you don't want me to say? And I can get it out in the open right away instead of you constantly saying it and me constantly trying to just get through the moments and not be a jerk to you. <laughs> uh, you know, so... Again, I want to make sure we're helping people that want to help those dealing with grief. So if you have a family member that's dealing with some sort of grief, there is nothing wrong, in my opinion, to say, I know you're going through a lot right now. I'm here for you. Is there anything you want me to never say? So I make sure I know that right up front. And I will bet you they will tell you right away. Or if they don't know at that moment, you'll say something that triggers them, and then they're going to say, hey, remember when you asked me that question? Please don't say that ever again. And there you go. Yep. And that, yeah, absolutely. And that reminds me, one of my triggers, Erica and me both, how did your kid die? What happened to Jameson? Don't ask me. Don't ask me. All right. You're, you're making me relive the hell of that moment. And it's none of your business. If if you're in my tight circle, I may have shared some of it with you, but 
but my best friends, I don't even think I've told my family. And maybe someday soon, I was thinking about that last night, um, preparing for this podcast with Chris with his Atom Awareness. I'm getting to the point where maybe I want to share it, again, just so other families can be aware of what took Jameson, because it is very rare. But I'll do that when I'm ready. Don't ask me that. Yeah, again, this is a... And this is one of those unclear answers that Dan and I can't really give you the right thing to say for those grieving because it's so different. For me, I feel like I am an open book with Mason's loss. Every time I relive it, and I'm feeling now as the years, as the first year goes on, and I've told the story numerous times, when I first started telling the story of how Mason passed, I would cry the whole time. But as I continue to tell it and get it out more, um, it's still hard. I, I still can literally feel the moments of me in the hospital. I can still smell the smells, uh, the coldness, um, you know, just everything about the hospital moments. Every, every moment of the fear of speeding to the hospital as Mason was life flighted, all of that. Every time I tell it, I relive it like Dan. But for me, it's become easier. For Dan, he's not there. So what I would caution you to say is, since we can't give you a really clear answer on this one, is ask the question up front. Don't say, how did your sons die? Or you could just say, I would love to know what happened whenever you're ready. You know, that gives the person dealing with the grief the option, like, mm -hmm. okay, there's somebody I can talk to about this, but they're not ready yet. You know, so uh, very different. Can't be clear on this one. I, you know, I, I understand where dad's coming from too as well. And it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think, I think a good ending point is going back to what Chris said is ask directly. Is there anything that I, you just don't want me to say or do or ask? And yeah, that gives us complete control to share yeah what's gonna help and what's not and there is no gray line because yeah you're seeing it here grief is different for every person and you need to you need to get that one-on-one -on -one interaction with that person to figure out if you truly want to help you need to have that conversation with them and let them just and just be ready ready for the response uh, I I still when people ask me any morning, hey, how are you? I'm like, don't ask unless you're ready for the honest response because it's going to be real, it's going to be raw, and for 90-some percent of the people I interact with, it knocks them back, and they're like, oh, my God, what did I just get myself into? So if you don't really want to know, don't ask. Are there any other questions we missed there, Dan, or we get, we hit them all up? That was our list for today. So um, as Chris and I say every episode, um, we want your feedback. We want your help. So I want to actually throw out a challenge to all our listeners here. Send us an email or a Facebook message sometime in the next 30 minutes to an hour if you can't think of something right about What are you afraid to say? to somebody that you know is grieving or still what question do you have about how do I handle this specific thing how do I handle Mother's Day with a grieving mother send us everybody that's listening send us an email and give us a question that you have or a statement that you're wondering is that a good thing to say or not is that helpful Think of something and send it to either Chris or me if you have our email addresses, if you have us on Facebook, or again, as always, you can add... Let me, let me do it. Info at jamesonsjoy.org. All right. Awesome. Yes. There we go. Chris got it. Uh, so, yeah, and again, we're just using that email because it's set up, and I will get it to Chris if it, if it pertains to him alone. I will get it to him because this is a joint venture between us, but... We're really, we're serious, guys. We want to hear from you. Ask us a question. Everybody who's hearing it, can you send us something that you, you're just wanting? Because we want to help. 
We want everybody who listens to to walk out of every episode with something that they can say, I learned and I can do better because I know that. I want to throw another little plug out there. If you'd like to be on the podcast because you've dealt with grief one way or another, uh, whether it's someone really close to you or you specifically yourself, shoot us that message. We'd love to have you on here. You know, we had Rachel on here. We have other guests planned in the future, uh, but we'd love to get your story out there too. If you're ready, if you want to talk about it, if it'll help you, that is what this podcast is for. Shoot us a message. Let us know. We'll get you on here. We'll get it scheduled. Absolutely. So thank you to everybody again for listening. Um, again, Chris and I have shared, we, we, we're starting to hear from some people that it is making a difference and that that's our goal. And we're going to, we're going to keep pushing and, and keep trying to just make a difference in honor of our boys because we love them and, and it helps us walk through our grief. So, um, if you have a story on that end, something that has helped you, share that. It's encouraging for us. And it's one of those things that you don't know what to say. Tell us that we're making an impact if we are. That would be wonderful to hear. Um, and we appreciate it. So with that said, again, info at jamesonjoy.org or Chris and my Facebook pages, Jameson's Joy, Miles for Mason, Facebook pages, any of those ways to interact with us and uh, send us those questions, comments, and we will we will deal with them in future episodes, and we look forward to it. Chris, as always, thanks for walking alongside me through this journey. Uh, love, and love you, brother. We're going through this together, and uh, couldn't ask for a better friend right now. Yeah, and you interrupted me. I was going to say I love you first, and you beat me to it, bud. Um, Everybody, you need somebody in your life that you can walk closely to. Um, it's, it's so important. So have an awesome, awesome, awesome day, everybody. And thanks for tuning in to A Father's Love, Healing Through Heartache.